This is Wednesday night Bible study, September the 6th, 2023, with our C director, Reverend Mac Perry. I do want to say uh, uh, um, that uh, some of the young people, uh, leaders and teachers and all, will be coming over here about 20 till, quarter till, basically about the time I'm finishing up. We want to have a quick 10-minute meeting about the barbecue to kind of finalize some things and uh, make sure everybody is um, kind of in one accord in what we got to do and and a lot of work, a lot of things has got to happen uh, between now and Friday, not only uh, Friday, but also, for example, I think tomorrow morning they'll be here at 8 o'clock to, to work, and we'll talk about all these things uh, here in a little bit. But first, let's uh, catch up a little bit of where we at in Acts, and then we'll read our uh, lesson for tonight. But first, uh, just kind of catch us up. I, I go back to verse 7, and I think about how... They were arrested the night before Peter and John, and they're standing before the Sanhedrin. And the first question they get uh, in verse 7 tells, uh, asks them, By what power uh, or name have you done this? And they, and they, they don't want to you know, talk about the miracle. They don't want to mention the name of Jesus here. And then a little bit later on, the same thing. They don't want to mention the name of Jesus. Because it's, uh, to them... That they, they didn't believe in him. They didn't know who he was. But what they're learning is there's nothing they can say as we find out tonight in our lesson. They have nothing to say because it was such a wonderful, uh, great blessing that Jesus did in, uh, in healing uh, the crippled man. So uh, for our verses the last time, we, we, we talked about Peter and the boldness of Peter. And Peter standing up, and I find it amazing that the, you know one of the first things that come out as he talks about salvation and that uh, salvation is not found anywhere in anyone and anything else. And he's making it very clear. I spent some time uh, helping us understand what Peter was saying. Peter explained what this means when he meant there is no other salvation. You know, people look for things and things they can work their way and do some good deeds and they can find ways into heaven. But Peter's making it clear to the Sanhedrin there is no other Jesus, there is no other Messiah coming. Jesus is the Messiah. And he's saying, and he used the word, must be saved. So he's saying that, you know, for you to get your hearts right and be forgiven for sin is through Jesus Christ. So the, uh, the Greek word must it caught my attention last time as we talked about it because Peter was emphatic with the word must be saved. And it, he was really talking about how compelling and how necessary it was for everyone to be saved. And the healing of the lame man was such a strong witness uh, to who Jesus really was, and he was resurrected. See, as I've mentioned to you before in the past, the, the uh, Jewish uh, Christian leaders uh, did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe that that was possible, yet it happened, and there was nothing they could say about it. So uh, even back in Isaiah... It, uh, as Peter uh, tried to explain and was very clear about salvation, it tells us that there is only one way to salvation. Even way back in Isaiah 53 and in, in Hebrew, as I mentioned last time, that uh, Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and, and only through me. And then in John 4.1, there will be never be another Messiah uh, sent, for, uh, sent by God. He was the Messiah. So, you know, uh, uh, Pharaoh did a wonderful job a few Sundays ago, talking about uh, Sunday nights ago about salvation and the seriousness of it, and 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 the understanding that you know even though, uh, as he mentioned, over many years, the two thousand years since Jesus' death, many 
uh, different cults and different religions have tried to teach uh, there is other ways of salvation. But Peter's making it clear to these very educated, very smart, lawmaking body, the people that were made the, were judges, the people that made the decision, let, he's letting them know very clearly that there is no other way except Jesus Christ. And Peter was preaching, there is no other way. <clears throat> uh, most believers, uh, even today, uh, who are not atheists, they want to think, the human nature wants to think there's many ways to salvation. You can do good deeds and things like that. I spent some time on that, but that's not true. Peter's making it really clear here to not only them, and I want to make sure we understand the word for them is also the same word for us and for everybody's understanding that uh, Peter is making it really clear. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He died for us, and He is the only way into heaven. And uh, verse 13, as we read it, uh, the Sanhedrin saw how Peter boldly and how how much courage he stood before them. If you think about the flesh side standing before this, uh, you know, these lawmakers and these people that really could make the judgment to send them to jail or make a judgment to have them killed or stoned or something. So it's very intimidating, uh, very intimidating. But Peter and John were not. And the Sanhedrin, the scriptures tell us they were uh, astonished. They were marveled. They wondered at uh, the courage and the authority that they spoke with. And as we know, uh, they weren't used to having someone stand there. Most of the people would be like me, standing there trembling and just waiting. Are they going to kill me or lock me up or what are they going to do with me? But Peter and John were full of the Holy Spirit. It tells us how much we need that strength because that courage, that strength can help us through our daily challenges. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I, I got out of the message from last Bible study is that that's what we need. We need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the courage to witness, to stand boldly and to teach and to preach and the courage to tell people who Jesus Christ really is. So um, the key to their courage was the Holy Spirit and is the key to our boldness, our courage, and our faith and our witness is the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, even back in Matthew, I told you that... Um, I referred back to Matthew 10, 19 through 20, where it says that Jesus was speaking to them and saying, don't be afraid about, and don't worry about what you've got to say. And these are my words, but this is what Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote some words, uh, some scriptures about that the Heavenly Father, through the Holy Spirit, will give you the words, will speak for you. And that's what we want. We want, because we will do and say dumb things. We want to make sure that we're, uh, saying and working through Jesus. Everything we're doing is is in, according to His Word and to His Holy Spirit. Um, and one of the other things they noted uh, in, in the Scriptures, or Luke noted in the Scriptures, is the Sanhedrin noted or, uh, you know, uh, acknowledge that, that uh, they must have been with Jesus that these disciples, because they're hearing and seeing the same thing, that same power, that same boldness, that same courage that they saw in Jesus, uh, 
they took note of that. And now it was beginning to sink into them. It's, it's the way the Greek word uh, was used in here is basically saying they are recognizing now that these men spoke very boldly. And Jesus had to be with them because that's the same thing Jesus uh, you know, did. And I, I, I ended uh, that verse with... Uh, Something that, that's a little bit humorous is that, you know, they're thinking, oh my goodness, we got rid of one, we murdered one, and now we got many of that same Jesus. We got a lot more of them. What has happened? You know, and there's a little bit of humor in that. Think about it. Jesus actually filled, uh, uh, you know, them with the Holy Spirit, still with them. That they, they, you know, Sanhedrin don't know that. That court did not know that. But now there's many disciples that is boldly standing up uh, for them. And then when we got to verse 14, uh, the, the, uh, Luke lets us know in his writing again that the man that was healed was standing before them. There also, he was standing with them. Some believe that the man may have been locked up with them. Uh, the crippled man, some believe that uh, maybe he came back the next morning, but I mentioned to you that it really don't matter. He was not asked any questions according to Luke. We don't, if he was, Luke didn't write about it, but it really doesn't matter. Either way, the evidence, the witness, here this crippled man that's, been, uh, that's over 40 year old that was born crippled is standing there as a witness. And this man was he, who was healed was standing there. I, I'm just... I think about how wonderful that is to be standing beside someone that Jesus has healed. That's a wonderful feeling. So uh, as we get into our lesson tonight, they're still uh, standing there, but we ended with verse 15, which tells tells us that the Sanhedrin asked them to leave the court so they could talk, so they could discuss it. And let's see what happens in verse 16 saying, What shall we do to these men? For they indeed, a notable miracle, have been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. Basically, the word has gotten out to everyone. Everyone is praising God. Everyone is thanking God. They've heard about this great miracle. And notice what they said there. We cannot deny it. He's standing there with us. And the whole uh, city of Jerusalem knows it. Then 17 but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them, and they speak henceforth to no man in this name. In other words, you can't mention the name of Jesus. So they threaten them. And then they, so after they decided that's what they're going to do, they called them in and commanded them not to speak. Notice the word commanded them uh, and not teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered. Notice their wording here. Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye. In other words, and we'll talk about that a little bit tonight, what you're saying, and, and basically, you know, Peter and John are giving it back to them. They're putting it back in their court. Is what they're doing. They're saying, so what you're saying to us, it's better for us to do what you want us to do than what God wants us to do. Is that what you're saying? It's better for us to do what you're doing. You know, that's a powerful 
statement to give back to them. And then listen as we read. For we cannot speak the things which we have seen, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They're saying we have no choice. We have to speak. And we'll talk about that a little bit tonight uh, in our lesson as, as I'm teaching. And then verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, so they again threatened them, even you know more threats and more sterner and more you know firmly, they threatened them to let them go. Uh, they let them go. Find, so they threatened them again, let them go, finding nothing how they may punish them because of the people. For all men glorify God for that which was done. Let me, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then verse 22, For the man was above 40. Luke's again reminding us that the man all his life uh, was a crippled on whom this miracle of healing was shown, showed. And then 23, And being let go, they went to their own company. Company meaning a gathering, a bunch of people, uh, Christians. You know, back then, the church was very united and very together and praying together. Most likely, they were praying for Peter and John because they had been locked up and they knew they were standing before them and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. Bless your word, dear Father. So, the Sanhedrin ordered them to withdraw and, and uh, you know, that give us time to confer and let us talk about this. So they asked each other. Now, I want everybody to understand, if you really get into what they talked about and what they, a, a lot of uh, uh, scholars and, and Bible people would say they, they threw out a lot of options in that uh, hearing. In other words, they're saying, you know, what about if we do this? Or what about if we do that? Or can we do this? But when, whenever they looked at all these things, they kept referring back. Somebody kept reminding them that, you know, everyone living in Jerusalem knows about this. They know about this outstanding miracle. You know, we're going to look like the bad guys if we make a judgment or if we do something to them. So they couldn't deny what had happened. They could not deny in any way. So they were caught in a situation I believe that they won't face with before. And they did not know how to happen. So they couldn't explain something so wonderful, so powerful, something so, uh, you know, uh, uh, supernatural. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. So the people... They were worried about what the people would think of them, so they decided to just let them go. But you know what bothered them most about this, is, and that's where the threats come in, it bothered them most that um, the apostles were going to go out and use Jesus' name, and they were going to be talking about Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Well, they didn't agree with that. They didn't know how to handle that, so they honestly just threatened us you know, I think about when, if we, y- y'all, we studied this back in, um, uh, when we were studying uh, Luke the first time, but also in Matthew it tells us that the same problem existed way back then when they found the tomb empty. In Matthew, I think it's 28, 12, and 1, they come back and found the tomb empty. The, the uh, officials, lawmakers, Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, bribed the uh, guards to tell people that someone stole the body. 
That's how bad they did not want that the people to know that he had been resurrected. So it did at that time send out mixed messages about what happened to the body. Uh, even today, some people still question. There is even people today that believes that maybe they went to the wrong tomb to find Jesus. But, you know, that's a lot of devil because when you look at um, uh, in Luke 22, and I believe uh, 35, 38, somewhere in there, it, it says that the ladies that went back, Mary, uh, that went back that morning, paid, uh, uh, paid special attention to where his tomb was originally. So they didn't get the wrong tomb. Uh, you know, the, the, the Sanhedrin was sending out mixed messages to everybody and actually paid the security guard. They did not want anyone to know that Jesus was resurrected. But now they're in a situation where they don't know what to do. They don't have a choice. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is the one that performed a miracle. It's very clear what was going on. When we look at verse 17 and 18, um, to stop this thing caught my attention. Do y'all notice that in 17 now? Uh, they didn't say uh, to stop Jesus or the teaching about Jesus. They said, stop this thing. They didn't want to make it. They just, I, I think they just hated him so much. They just didn't even want to use his name. They didn't want him to spread when they were threatening uh, them. Uh, we must, you know, they threatened them and they said, we don't want you to spread this thing. No longer to anyone. And they were basically saying the name of Jesus. You can't use that no more. Then they called on them again and commanded them not to speak. They did it twice. They to not uh, uh, speak about it because, the, but because they had no logical answer. Peter and John, uh, uh, you know, they they did not return. What was interesting is they did not return a verdict that day of guilty, not guilty. They were to be punished with this, or they to be punished with that. Well, many. Many scholars, and even that, at that time, it was a mistake on the Sanhedrin not doing that. They did. They sidestepped their responsibilities and did not decide to do anything, and they just let them go, just threatened them. So, um, and by the way, they knew they couldn't bribe those uh, uh, disciples like they bribed those guards. It wouldn't done, done no good. They knew that. But uh, so when Peter and John uh, went back into that room, they they. Um, just could not even accept those threats at all. So listen to what, what, he, uh, what John says in verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey, as I mentioned a little earlier, rather than us. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen. You know, John and, and Peter, Peter and John... Um, did not let these threats intimidate them in any way. Uh, they calmly and professionally and courteously, they recognized them, were very firm in what they, their reply to them. And, you know, um, we as Christians today, what, what Peter and John were basically saying, we're ordained, we're committed, we believe in what we are saying. We have to go forward. We, we didn't hear say all this, we were witnesses to Jesus. We know who Jesus really is. Just like we who have been saved by Jesus Christ are witnesses 
to who Jesus Christ really is. We shouldn't back down in any way. We should stand firmly. We should stand boldly for what's right and what's wrong in God's house. We and in, in, out in this country, we should send a clear message as Peter and John did. They sent a very clear message and who they are and who they stood up for. They won't go let man direct them in any way. Peter and John. Uh, put the responsibility back on them that by saying, you know, do you want us to listen to you instead of God? Well, that they didn't know how to answer that. They had nothing else to say. If you noticed after that, there was no more questions. They, uh, <clears throat> The Holy Spirit, I believe, in them put a fire, a fire in their hearts, in their bones, in their, you know, that made them just stand up. They didn't even think about Though who those gentlemen were and who and what their positions were and what power they may have had over them. It didn't matter to them. They knew they had a message from Jesus and they knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking for them. That fire inside of them, that burning inside of them that was in the heart could not stop them from saying what they had to say and also it let them know it's not going to stop me, hallelujah, from going out and telling somebody. I got to go tell somebody about what Jesus has done for us and what He can do for you. You know, it just it just put a burning in them that they had to go do it. The Holy Spirit was driving them and helping them to understand they got to tell somebody. That's the way we should be. We need to t- be able to tell somebody about Jesus. That's who we are. That's who we, what we're all about. That's what His church is all about. Teaching, preaching, and telling someone about the Word of Jesus, the Word of God. The, you know, I think about how these... Uh, so-called smart, educated people didn't understand who the Holy Spirit... And they know the Bible, supposedly, the Old Testament. But, you know, you cannot... And even in our day, even in our day, uh, we, you know, the Holy Spirit cannot be gagged. It can't be told what it can't say and what it can do and what you shouldn't do and what you should do. It cannot be controlled... Or stopped by man. It cannot. It's going to go out and do the will of God. The Holy Spirit is going to do the will of God. It can't be stopped by men. They needed to understand that. And that's what Peter was saying to them. You can't stop the Holy Spirit. You can't stop us from teaching and preaching the Word of God. That's what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. It's tell somebody. Tell somebody about the love of Jesus and what He went through for us. That's what it's all about. That's what He was saying to them that day. And even after all the threats, they let Him go. You know what? I I feel the same way in my spirit tonight. When the Holy Spirit is guiding me and doing something, there's a comfort. There's a let go feeling. There's an understanding there that, you know what? I don't need to worry about it no more. They're going, the Holy Spirit is guiding and leading and controlling what's going on. And that's what they did. They let them go. So Peter and John will let go. They were set free. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. It set us free. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will set us free. And they were set free that day. And you know, that healing, that miracle of that crippled man standing there, there's nothing they could say about. You know, I think about the many things that God does for us every day. 
every day in my life, every day. You know, and salvation was the greatest. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit was wonderful. And But each day is a blessing. And we ought to be telling somebody about that. And you know another reason that they had this burning in their heart? I'll go back to Acts I believe it's uh, chapter 81. What did God say for us to do? What did Jesus say go do? Go tell the world, didn't he? He said, go out and tell the world. You're going to be my witnesses to the world. And that's why they did that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, many people interpreted uh, some of the wording in these couple few verses that the Sanhedrin really thought about many ways to try to uh, stop them, but the threats, the Holy Spirit was there guiding them. Uh, The implication of the wording that was in there um, was, you know, when you really read into it, they didn't have an answer, they didn't make a judgment, so now these guys are set free. What kind of message did the Holy Spirit send to Jerusalem? The Sanhedrin has no control over God's Holy Spirit, God's people. Think about that. That's why a lot of the so-called experts today and even back then say that Sanhedrin made a terrible mistake, letting them go and doing nothing. It sent a message out there. And also, the message was interpreted by the the Christians that, number one, they can't touch the Holy Spirit the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, but also it, it says that the Holy Spirit was in control of everything. The Holy Spirit is what's guiding them and, and leading them. And, it's, and everything was about glorifying God. So what they did was add more threats and warnings, and it was a big mistake. It, it, it was a big mistake. Looks like our young people coming in, but I will start to wrap up. Um, it illustrated and sent a message to the people that the Jewish leaders had no case, had nothing they could do. So they were set free. Um, Luke uh, 9.22 tells us, even though they were set free that day, I do want to say, and we'll talk about more of this in Acts. You'll see this more as we go through Acts, that um, the chief priests, the Pharisees, All these people did not stop persecuting. It got worse and worse and worse. And as we know, even some of the disciples or the the apostles uh, lost their lives standing up for the word of Jesus as we go through. uh, So they never stopped. uh, Even though that day they let them go, they never stopped. When we look at verse 23, uh, their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. And this touched my heart a little bit when I read this. And... um, uh, when they were went back to where all the people were assembled, and, and that's what it meant, the company, they were assembled together. So it reminded me of how important it is for people uh, of God, Christians, to assemble together and to worship together and pray together. I really believe that they went back to where all the people that loved God were praying for them and and. Uh, you know, to united together, being assembled together, and praying that the Holy Spirit would guide them. And you know what? God answered them. God did exactly what. Uh, I, and I think about how what they learned, a lesson they learned, that early church learned, is on the day of Pentecost. 
It's a very important lesson for us. On the day of Pentecost, how they spent, not only that day, but before that, but all that whole many hours, they were together praying. As we learned, they were praying and waiting on God to send down His Holy Spirit. So where they were together praying and fasting and putting their efforts into, you know, being united together and praying for God to send His blessings to them. And I think that they remembered the day of Pentecost. How to, when they were united, when they were together, God answered prayers. That's why I believe today is important for us to pray together, to get together and pray often as we can, and to be united together. Um, so uh, that last verse touched my heart, and they went back and they reported the details of what happened. And most important, they let those people know that the Holy Spirit uh, helped us, guided us, and we would have never done it with, without them. And God, God helped us to be bold and to uh, represent Him. They understood they were representing God. You know what? Sometimes we need to think about that, don't we? We need to think about, uh, as a Christian, we represent God. We represent the Jesus that loved us. When we have to make a decision, or when we have confronted with a trial, I have learned in my later years to, to say to myself, what would Jesus do? When, I, when maybe something has been said to hurt me, or something has been said to me that I don't understand, one of the things I would... One of the things that I do when I start praying is, Lord, you know, what would Jesus do? Help me understand what Jesus do. And you know what? It does give me a peace. It, it gives me a comfort because, you know what? I know that it's in his hands and it'll help me. Help, uh, help me. Would you stand with me, please? Whenever one or two people or more are in trouble or in need, uh, our church should be absolutely as a priority praying together. I believe that. I sincerely believe that. I know we got a quick meeting, but you know what? I still in my heart feel we ought to come up and let's spend a few minutes praying and then we will stop and take a 10-minute uh, meeting. And, and But I just feel like we should pray together uh, because that's how we're going to get answers. That's how people are going to be blessed. That's how we're going to see miracles. Uh, the Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.